The following podcast is a Dear Media production. This is Being Bumo, a podcast for the modern parent that wants to be the best version of themselves while being the best parents they can be for their kids. We'll be spotlighting parents and experts who are not only inspiring, but also willing to share with us how it really is. Because as we all know, parenting can be equally as rewarding as it is challenging. We're here to make your life easier, a little less stressful, and help you navigate through this complex thing called parenting. Welcome back to another episode of Being Bumo. Today we have Ryan Kipping, a prenatal nutritionist. She focuses on nutrition for preconception and pregnancy. And yes, preconception is if you are trying to get pregnant. She shares with us the absolute must for nutrition when you're trying to conceive and also during pregnancy. There are a lot of common myths and misconception about pregnancy and nutrition that you actually might not know of. So she is going to lay it all out for us of what is true, what is false. And she pretty much helps answer all the questions that you guys have been Googling since you found out that you were pregnant. And I wish that I knew about Ryan when I was pregnant because she definitely answered a lot of the questions that I had during my two pregnancies. So with that said, here's our conversation. Hi, Ryan. Welcome to Being Bumo. Hi, thanks for having me. I am so excited to chat with you about all things nutrition. I wish that I actually discovered you sooner when I had my two girls. Wow, um, that's okay. Maybe <laughs> maybe you'll have another one. <laughs> maybe for the third, not that we are planning, but you know, you never know these days. Uh-huh. Um, so let's just dive right into it. I mean, I found it really fascinating about the topics that you talk about on on your Instagram, really. A lot of it is kind of bashing, not bashing, but uh, talking about busting myths that are not true that a lot of pregnancy, pregnant women think about. So one of the questions I actually have that I kind of want to kick this conversation off with is one that I've always been curious about. There's so much emphasis on not drinking coffee, alcohol, and even sushi during your pregnancy. Those are, except for alcohol, because I don't really drink that much, but coffee and sushi are my life. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So when I was pregnant, I struggled a lot with them. Um, But I would love to hear your thoughts on, you know, is that true or is that not true? Yeah, definitely. These are obviously very common questions that I get all the time. (laughs) Um, I know, and coffee is kind of an interesting one. And usually I talk about it in like caffeine in general, because so many people love their coffee, love their teas, um, other things that have caffeine that we don't think about like chocolate and sodas and energy drinks. And, you know, the list goes on actually of what actually has caffeine in it. So the general consensus is 200 to 300 milligrams per day is okay. Um, what the research really shows is we see adverse effects when we're consuming really large amounts. So like some research will say, you know, greater than six cups, you start to see effects. Some will even say not until 10 cups, you start to see effects. Oh, wow. So it, yeah. It's, I mean, there is a, the good thing about caffeine is that 
there is a lot of research out there on it because it is so popular. It is so common, like worldwide. <laughs> so pregnant women are drinking it, you know, pregnant women are consuming caffeine. Um, so that's why we have, I will say more research on it than most topics related to pregnancy because so many women do have it. So I'm kind of in the consensus that, you know, 200 milligrams per day is fine, which usually most coffees have like a hundred, like a cup has around a hundred milligrams, but it does vary, you know, pretty widely depending on like what your coffee of choice is, cappuccino, latte, just straight drip coffee, like whatever you're drinking could vary. Um, and then also you want to think about like, how big is your coffee cup normally? Like, is it eight ounces or is it 16 ounces or, you know, how much are you actually drinking? Um, and it's very easy to look it up. I usually use a website called caffeine informer, um, Mm. where you actually can go and like search all sorts of different drinks and food, even to figure out how much caffeine is in it. Oh, that's, I did not know about the website. That's such a good, good tool to have. Yeah. So I would say, and not that you would know this, answer, but just kind of curious. My go-to drink is an almond latte grande at Starbucks. And so that should be okay, right? That should be okay. I think the tall has around like 75 milligrams of caffeine. Okay. So the grande is definitely under 200 because it's not that much bigger than a tall. And obviously the stronger the more caffeine it has, right? So if it's like straight black coffee versus like a watered down latte. No, I don't know about that actually. Mm. Okay. The one I do know is that I know cold brew usually has more caffeine Uh. than drip or lattes or something like that. But I don't know about the darker... Got it. Well, yeah, I'm going to have to go on like, the website and see. Yeah, no, I would for sure. That's what I tell people too. I'm like, eh, it's better just check, you know? <laughs> How about alcohol and sushi? So alcohol, I'm in the boat of just avoiding it. You know, that is the one thing that we have super concrete evidence that there are adverse effects that can happen. There's, mm. you know, a whole fetal alcohol syndrome that's, you know, because of drinking alcohol during pregnancy. Of course, that's usually seen in like, high amounts of alcohol, not just like one glass of wine during your pregnancy, of course. But to me, it's like, that's not something that really provides benefits. Really, Mm. there's really only like negative outcomes that could come out of drinking alcohol during your pregnancy. So for me, I'm in the boat of just stay away from it. Got it. That wouldn't be a problem for me because I'm not a big drinker anyways. Um, (laughs) How about sushi? Sushi? Yeah, definitely a common question. So There's so many, again, similar to the coffee thing, there's so many different sushi types and different rolls and all these things. And there's a lot of sushi rolls that are actually fully cooked. So those are fine. I mean, they're fully cooked. So, I mean, they're about the same risk as eating any other food that you would probably enjoy at a restaurant. Um, And then the other thing we want to consider, or one of the things we want to consider, I would say there's a few, um, is the mercury content of the fish you're eating. Because some sushi restaurants do serve like the bigger forms of tuna that have a lot of mercury. So those are things you definitely want to be aware of Mm. um, and look out for high mercury fish. The other thing I will say, oh, I didn't mention too, there's like a lot of veggie rolls nowadays at sushi restaurants. So if you're someone who likes veggie rolls, those don't have fish in them. Um, The biggest tip that I have here is that if you are someone who is going to eat sushi, let's say you do eat like a raw salmon roll, right? Mm -hmm. If you're 
someone who's going to eat that and then have anxiety and like feel guilty, like the next week after thinking like, Oh my gosh, what did I do? Like, is something going wrong? Then if that is you and you, you're just, you know, you tend to have more high anxiety then to me, I'm like, it's probably not worth it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, protect your mental health. Right. Because that's also super important during pregnancy. So if it's that case, I'm like better just avoid it. So you can just have the peace of mind that you didn't need it and all that good stuff. But if you, if you're in the other boat and you have done your research, maybe it's a restaurant you really trust. Um, you, you go there a lot, you trust the people that work there and the chefs, and maybe you've even talked to them, asked questions, you know, just really done your research and you feel comfortable and confident eating it. Then to me, I'm like, great. I think it's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. A lot of pregnant women, crave sushi during their pregnancy and did you I like (laughs) because I was so strict with myself at least for my Mm -hmm. first child all I could think about was sushi like I just wanted a spicy tuna roll like that's all I wanted but I don't know if it was because I couldn't have it I was craving it more but yes I was definitely craving it yeah. And I mean, that is definitely one thing. Whenever we tell ourselves we can't have something, we just want it more. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's a normal life too, not just in pregnancy, but you know, it applies to both things. So a lot of women will crave sushi because raw fish, the nutrients in it are more bioavailable. So mm. things like raw salmon will have more DHA and more of certain nutrients that your body might actually just be craving. So what the best, I mean, thing to do is if you're considering it is probably reaching out to the restaurant if you feel comfortable and asking them about like their preparation methods for the sushi. So it should be flash frozen for like 24 hours before they serve it, which is basically the same thing as like pasteurization, like, you know, like products undergo a treatment process to decrease the likelihood of any contaminants growing in it. So that's essentially what the flash freezing process of raw fish is just trying to, you know, go that extra step to prevent any, anything from growing in the fish. So just some uh, things to consider. Definitely. Um, I mean, I would also think that's the same case for raw veggies then, right? And so that is probably why I also heard, and I don't know if this is true, um, but I also heard that you should avoid unpasteurized, sorry, is it pasteurized? Pasteurized green drinks? Oh, it would be unpasteurized, like like juices or something. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. So unpasteurized, like Like fresh fresh juices. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, really the risk, like, you could get sick from any piece of the sushi. Like you could get sick from the rice. You could get sick from the fish. You could get sick from the avocado or the cucumber, or you could really, you know, get sick from anything that's in the sushi roll. Um, Mm. So it's not like in something I always say too, is like, there's no foods that we can deem 100% safe and really no foods that we can say, this is going to be 100% to cause illness, you know? Mm. Um, So it's really just important. I think Number one, checking your mental health, seeing where you stand there. Number two, checking all your, you know, facts and getting as informed as you possibly can. And then just ultimately making the best decision for you. Yeah, I agree. Now let's kind of take a step back because we kind of dove right into it. How did you get into nutrition specifically for preconception and pregnancy? And can you also explain what preconception nutrition is? 
Yeah. So preconception is just the time leading up to pregnancy. So you could say pre-pregnancy too, Mm. but yeah, basically just making sure before you go into pregnancy that you are setting yourself up for success. That first trimester can be so hard um, and you might not be able to eat much at all. If anything, during that first trimester and people panic, you know, I get messages all the time. That's like, Oh my gosh, all I can eat is crackers. Like, how is my baby getting any nutrients? How are they growing? Like, you know, people are just really concerned because they know that obviously what they eat is going to the baby too. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're like, what the heck? Um, yeah. So basically our bodies are really amazing. And as long as you were well nourished, kind of focusing on nutrition and eating a you know, well-rounded diet pre-pregnancy, your body kind of has the blueprint of what to do and is going to really be relying on those nutrient stores that you hopefully built up prior to being pregnant. So that's why I always talk about it being so important before pregnancy to kind of really focus on that time, especially if you know, right? You're like, okay, we're try- we're actively trying right now, or maybe we're planning to start trying in the next six months or whatever it is, then that's a perfect time to just start making small changes here and there. So how did you get into all of this? Um, it's so such a specific kind of topic yeah. versus yeah. nutrition as a whole. Definitely. I've always, I've really always been interested in it. Like when I was going through college, going through dietetic school, whenever we first covered like this subject and this topic, I was just so you know into it. I was like, this is so interesting. I always thought it was so great. And I did my, I ended up doing like my capstone thesis, you know, type to graduate on the effects of caffeine during pregnancy, (laughs) Um, what we already talked about. So yeah, I ended up doing my, my paper on that. And then once I graduated, I started working at a clinic with the same population. So helping women through pregnancy and also through breastfeeding too. And then eventually I just started seeing clients of my own on the side and started kind of building my own practice and doing it where I could teach what I wanted to teach because the clinic was great. You know, working there was great, good experience, all this stuff, but I just really felt boxed in with what I could do creatively. And then Mm. also what I could teach because when you're working at, you know, certain clinics and the one I was working at was government-based. So we had a very regimented amount of education we could share. Um, And I just didn't feel like it was based on the evidence that is available today for prenatal nutrition. So that's kind of what led me to ultimately make the jump and just start doing my own business, you know? Amazing. So what would you say the biggest difference of just like a normal, healthy, nutritional diet versus someone who is actually pregnant? Like what's the difference? Because for me, like, let's say I've never been pregnant before going into it. I feel like I am healthy. Like I get my veggies, I get my fiber, like I get everything in. Then I might already think, okay, this is going to be a breeze. Right. But what are some things that make the biggest difference of pregnancy nutrition? Yeah, I think that there's definitely just more being more intentional overall, because there are certain nutrients that are of key importance during pregnancy that are things you may have never even heard of before, not let alone like even thought gave thought to those nutrients, you know, like, yes, you think like, oh, yeah, I need to get fruits and vegetables and protein and like, kind of more big picture things to versus when we are talking about pregnancy, we, we kind of want to dig in a little bit deeper and really think like, okay, 
Am I getting adequate enough sources of folate? Am I getting enough iron throughout the day? Am I, do I even know what choline is? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? There's just a lot of, um, I will say deeper things to think about. And that's not to say it's any harder, right? It's just usually we have to be a bit more intentional about it than we just were just thinking like, oh, I just need to eat generally healthy. Um, And then also thinking, right, when we're pregnant, our needs are higher for several nutrients, mostly for protein too, and calories. A lot of times you have to increase that too. So I think just overall, there's a bit more planning involved too, I would say. Um, Mm -hmm. Hopefully you take some time to just, just get a little bit of education. So you make sure you are including certain foods that are high in nutrients that you and baby would potentially need more of. What would you say the most important nutrient is during pregnancy? Oh, there's so that would be hard to pick one. There's so many. I mean, they're definitely a lot of them are are very important. And I think the two that you that people probably hear most often are folate and iron, which those two are incredibly important. Both of them are, but I always also talk about choline a lot because it's kind of like a it's a relatively new nutrient. I mean, mm-hmm. to the lay person, I guess you could say it's relatively new and we're just, we're just learning a lot about it all of a sudden. And it has been compared to folate in its importance during pregnancy. So that's why I talk about it all the time because people know folate or folic acid, right. But they don't really know choline. So yeah, those three definitely super important. Vitamin D is the other one I'll give a shout out to, um, because it's another one that so many women are deficient in and not even that so many people across the world are deficient Mm -hmm. in, and it is incredibly important during pregnancy. So is it a matter of just eating more foods that have these things in it or is it taking pills? Like what, like what would you subscribe to someone that is actually pregnant that wants to include more of these things into their diet? Yeah, definitely. I'm very food first. So my goal is to help you reach these nutrient goals through food as much as we possibly can. Um, But there's so many factors that affect, you know, different nutrients too. your lifestyle factors. Like, do you have food allergies? Do you not eat certain foods? Are you a picky eater? Like all of these things kind of play a role. Um, And then we're looking at blood work too, right? So if it's someone that is showing low iron versus someone that has healthy levels of iron for someone that has healthy levels of iron, we're probably just going to stay super focused on food sources, making sure you're keeping up with those Mm. for someone that's already deficient. Yes, we are going to talk about food too. And we want you to really utilize food. But if you are deficient in iron and you're already pregnant, we are going to want you to supplement with something like that. What are some foods that have high iron in them? So the best sources of iron, there's plant and animal sources, but animal sources is going to be that heme iron that's better absorbed by our bodies. So meats, fish, those are going to be the best sources of heme iron. Um, but then you also have plant sources, which can be great too. I usually just recommend you including both of those sources. Um, so spinach is great. Seeds like pumpkin seeds are good. Mm. Beans and um, lentils are good too. Oh, amazing. And then how about, well, it wasn't folate. It was the other one you were talking about. Oh, choline. Uh, Choline. Yeah. What are some things that you could take for choline? Yeah. So the best source of choline is eggs and it's specifically in the yolks. So technically egg yolks. So I hate egg yolks. (laughs) (laughs) I always take out the egg yolk and eat the white part around it. (laughs) 
Is that bad? That's bad, right? Yeah. So if you're listening to this, don't do that. <laughs> so no egg whites, just the yolk. Well, you want to eat both, right? Because the egg white has the more protein in it. So, and the yolk typically has most of the nutrients or it does have most of the nutrients in it, like the choline. So definitely inc- include the yolk um, when you're eating eggs. Got it. For different trimesters, do you recommend uh, women to eating different types of food or adding different types of nutrition dependent on what trimester they're in? Typically, I mean, there's not really anything that's crazy specific trimester to trimester. Um, All the foods that I kind of recommend and that I talk about how to, you know, just have a generally healthy diet is going to be important throughout pregnancy, right? There's like not a nutrient that is like, greatly important in one trimester, then you can just like completely forget about it in another. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like they all remain important throughout your pregnancy. There might be certain time periods where there's specific nutrients that maybe have a bigger role, like the early stages when the neural tube is developing, that's going to be nutrients like folate and choline that Mm. are super important in developing the neural tube and helping it close. Um, So yes, that's a little bit there. And then I usually say in the last trimester, like trimester three is when DHA is super important, like the omega-3s that are just rapidly being stored and involved in baby's brain development. Mm, So have taking more omega-3s. I mean, there's a lot of that in fish as well, right? Yeah. So yeah, definitely increasing your fish intake or, you know, think about supplementing if you haven't been, or of course that's going to be dependent on the individual, but. Yeah. Okay, great. How about nausea? I mean, that's quite common, especially in the early stages of pregnancy. Are there certain foods that you could recommend women that are experiencing nausea? Because when you're nauseous, you don't want to eat anything, right? It's the worst. But what are some easy things that just like you could digest easily and quickly, but it's still nutritious? Yeah, definitely. This is, you know, another very common question that I get because it is so hard and it sucks because usually your, your normal routine of eating is totally thrown off and, um, nothing sounds good. And maybe you're totally averse to certain foods too. So depending on how severe it is, right. Because there's a huge scale of the severity of nausea. Some people barely experience it and some people end up in the hospital. So the scale is very large. (laughs) Um, if you're further on the scale of how severe it is and you just literally can't eat anything, usually I say whatever you can keep down. So some calories is going to be better than no calories at all. So if it maybe isn't something that's the healthiest choice, but it's something that you can actually stomach and that's not going to come back up, Mm -hmm. then I'm all for just eating whatever that food is. If you are looking for things, um, that can just be potentially more bland and plain. Like those are the foods that are usually better tolerated, like plain toast or plain rice or plain pasta or plain, um, maybe mashed potatoes that could be, you know, a healthier option. Um, whole wheat toast or some sort of toast that has like seeds in it, or, you know, just something like that, that might be a little bit of a healthier option than just like white bread, you know? Yeah. (laughs) That being said, of course, if white bread is the only thing, again, you can keep down, then by all means eat it. Um, but they're definitely a little extra swaps you could try to make to enhance the nutrition a little bit. 
For my second pregnancy, I experienced some nausea. I didn't for my first, but for my second, it was really interesting because the only thing that would actually calm my nausea down was ginger. So I would have like these ginger candy. It's Uh like these Korean candies that I found at the Korean market. And that was literally the only thing that would actually calm my nausea. Um, So I would just be eating candy all day. But I mean, second trimester got a lot better, but that was my experience with the first trimester was ginger candy. Yeah, no, I mean, ginger can be extremely helpful. Usually, you know, there are some like sugary filled ginger things that work for some people. And like, that's great. Um, (laughs) Obviously like not ideal to be consuming sugar all day. Right. There are some other, I mean, like you can try ginger tea, too. And if you don't like that, maybe like mix some honey in it or something like that to make it a little sweeter. Yeah. But yeah, ginger is always a good option to try. Are there any things that pregnant women should avoid? We obviously talked about alcohol and, you know, being cautious of raw fish, but is there anything else that pregnant women should be avoiding? Yeah. So unpasteurized dairy too, which is not super common. Like you always hear the avoid soft cheeses thing, but most soft cheeses are actually pasteurized. So most are definitely fine to eat. But again, that's going to be your individual decision. If you go to the grocery store, it's honestly very easy to take whatever cheese you normally eat, kind of flip it, flip the label over and see it will say pasteurized. So unless you shop at like a lot of farmers markets or you live on a farm or something, (laughs) most are pasteurized and fine to eat. Same with like yogurts and other dairy products. Like most you find in your typical grocery store are Mm -hmm. all going to be pasteurized and totally safe to eat during pregnancy. The other big one I will say is just overall produce, just being aware of that and washing your produce extra good because what is always on the CDC's foodborne outbreak illness list is produce. So it's Mm. fruits and vegetable is like the biggest two that cause the most foodborne illnesses. So definitely washing it super extra, um, being careful about those things. I think like ordering salads and stuff when you're out at restaurants, people think like, Oh, this salad is the best option for me to order. But I'm honestly like, probably not. Like it's probably a, a cooked meal if you're going to a restaurant, just because you never know, like you obviously want to trust establishments and maybe you feel more comfortable at certain places you go to than not, but that's always something to consider. I'm trying to think of other ones we didn't touch on. Oh, deli meats. That's another common one. Um, (laughs) I was just uh, making a TikTok on deli meats actually yesterday. Um, So that's another one that is often on the avoid list, but usually with this one too, heating it, right? So if you like your sandwiches toasted, that can greatly reduce the risk of bacteria growing. So listeria is the bacteria that is often found in deli meats. And it's, I mean, it's definitely a concern, right? Deli meats do end up on the foodborne illness outbreak list. Um, But actually getting listeriosis is extremely rare. So basically the disease you would get from eating something with listeria on it, extremely, extremely rare. So your chances of actually getting it are very, very low. But I always say too, like, obviously that's not to downplay the seriousness of the illness. If you were to get food poisoning or something like that, right? you know, it is a very, it's a very serious thing. And you would want to go to your doctor if you suspect you might get have been sick from any sort of food just to, you know, take extra precautions and things like that. How about kombucha? 
Yeah. So usually the biggest issue with kombucha is honestly the sugar content. Um, Uh. And kombucha, there is benefits, right? Because it's a great source of probiotics, which are very beneficial during pregnancy. So what my recommendation there is kind of don't drink like huge amounts of it, obviously. Uh Um, if you, you know, want small, small glasses, maybe two to three times a week or something like that, I think it's okay. Again, like I said, the bigger issue is usually all the sugar that a lot of companies put in. So it's not necessarily the fermented part. It's more of the sugar. Yeah. So the fermented part is actually the beneficial part of drinking it, right? You're actually getting probiotics from that, that are benefiting both you and baby actually. Right. Um, And then to our discussion on pasteurization is that there is like pasteurized kombucha, but that basically negates the benefits of you drinking it in the first place, because what that is doing essentially is killing all the bacteria. So it's killing the good bacteria and the bad bacteria. So you're just Uh. really not getting the benefits anymore of drinking the kombucha. So to me, I'm like, Mm, I don't know, unless you just really love the flavor of a certain drink or something like that, then maybe Uh, it's fine, but you're really missing kind of the point there of kombucha. I mean, I am a big kombucha drinker, but now I I have heard that before that kombucha does have a lot of sugar. So I've been looking at different kombucha brands that don't taste as yummy, um, but still have the benefits of kombucha. So. You also talk a lot about iron and vitamin C together. Yeah. Um, Is there a reason why that you always combine iron and vitamin C? Yeah. So that is back when I was talking about the difference between heme iron and non-heme iron. So animal versus plant sources. So really, this is something we want to focus on when we're eating plant-based sources of iron. So vitamin C basically helps the absorption to where I said, you know, heme iron is better absorbed, but if you eat your non-heme sources with vitamin C, you're kind of helping that iron get absorbed in your body. So that's why I always talk about that. Got it. And then, so what's a good example of a meal, I guess, that has iron and vitamin C? Yeah. So the usual one I stick to are these one I post about probably is probably what you've seen is the orange and pumpkin seed one. Mm. Um, that's a good snack. So oranges, vitamin C, pumpkin seeds have iron. Um, another one is like bell peppers. So bell peppers are a really good source of vitamin C and then hummus, which is chickpeas, right? Is a good source of iron. So that's a good snack too. That kind of combines the two. Broccoli is another really good source of vitamin C. So broccoli is a great side to any dinner you're having, honestly, whether it's chicken or beef or um, the recent post I did, I think was a baked potato. So potatoes in the skin actually have some iron. So you'd have to eat the skin there to get the benefits. Interesting. I didn't know that. And there are benefits to potato skin. I thought it was just like, like you just had to take it off because it was unhealthy or something. (laughs) I'm not surprised. People are like, give the X to all sorts of potatoes because they, everyone thinks they're terrible, but they have plenty of nutrition. Interesting. Okay. Are there any myths that you would like to bust about pregnancy nutrition that a lot of people think is true, but it's actually not? 
I guess the big one we haven't chatted on is just the overall eating for two myths that is so widely thought and talked about um, <laughs> that you're eating for two during pregnancy, which I mean, theoretically makes sense. You know, you're growing another human. So that's why I think we always say eating for two, but then that, you, you know, lends an excuse to just eat whatever you want, right? <laughs> that's like the thought like, oh, pregnant women can eat whatever the heck they want at any time, you know, whenever. Um, and I usually flip the script and like to describe it as nourishment for two versus eating for two, because really the baby is so, so tiny. If you guys are tracking using like the fruit, like your baby is the size of a, you know, kiwi or whatever, <laughs> you know, it's so, so tiny. So you certainly don't need double of anything. Um, your nutrient needs do increase slightly, but they don't double for any nutrient or any, um, macronutrient for that matter either. So your calorie needs aren't doubling, your protein needs aren't doubling. So again, like I was talking about at the beginning, it's just, we have to be a little bit more intentional and do a little bit of extra planning and educating around these things. So basically stop making the excuse of overeating when you actually yes. don't really need it for <laughs> your, your baby is not the size yes. of you basically. So it doesn't need that exactly. much extra food. Um, yes, you got it. So on that note, let's kind of end it with this question, which is a good segue into weight gain, because this is something that right. a lot of pregnant women do worry about. And also doctors yeah. do advise on being cautious of because it is hard to give birth yeah. when your child is too big. Right. Yeah. And but then does that have anything to do with weight gain? Because that that's a question that I had is like, if I gain X amount of pounds, does right. that mean my baby inside is going to grow along with it? And is that going to eventually be hard for me to give birth to? Not necessarily. Yeah. Because weight gain is so variable, I guess is what I'm trying to say per person to person. And we see these guidelines out there, right. That are like super strict. Like if you're in this BMI category range, you should only gain 25 to 35, this one, 30, whatever, you know? So I think we, we feel like we have to fit into those boxes, like super strictly when in reality is we are all so different and we gain weight in pregnancy. So differently, some people gain weight all over, you know, some people right. just gain the belly weight. Some people gain it in different areas and the rate at which people are gaining weight is very different too. Some women will put on a lot of weight in the first trimester to where some people won't see any weight in the first trimester. So it's very hard, I think, to have those boxes. And what mm. the guidelines really suggest is that depending on your weight pre-pregnancy, that is how much weight you should gain during, right? So if you're starting out at a heavier weight pre-pregnancy, ideally you shouldn't gain as much weight during pregnancy versus maybe if you are starting pre-pregnancy underweight, maybe you're someone that needs to gain upwards of 35 pounds during pregnancy because maybe you were underweight before pregnancy. So the guidelines are, as I always say, just guidelines, you know, they're not rules to live by, by any means. For me and my practice, really the focus is not weight at all. I just try to emphasize making a well-rounded plate, focusing on specific foods, eating specific foods that have more nutrients, and then the amount of weight gain that is appropriate for you should come naturally, right? Mm. Definitely easier said than done, of course because there's cravings and like all of these things that happen during pregnancy and it's just hard. So 
you know, I know it, it can be a challenge, but if you really are just kind of putting your head down, focusing on why it's so important to eat nutritiously during this time, then hopefully the weight gain will kind of come more naturally to you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for this. This was all super informative and educational. And again, I wish I knew about you when I was pregnant, Um, (laughs) but I'm sure that a lot of people listening to this just found a lot of value. So thank you so much. And where can people find you if they want to learn more information? Yeah. So definitely follow me on Instagram. That's my biggest platform where I am literally showing up every day, providing free, very valuable educational content for, you know, those that are planning a pregnancy and obviously currently pregnant. Um, Also be sure to check out my newest online resource, which is the prenatal nutrition library. So if you're wanting to take a deeper dive into understanding all things prenatal nutrition, if you have more questions about what you can and can't eat, the prenatal nutrition library is absolutely perfect. So you can kind of take a step back from Googling everything under the sun and making sure you're getting evidence-based answers, you know, from the start. Yeah. That's stress in itself. is like figuring out what to believe and what not to believe. So that guide sounds like an amazing resource for our parents to have. So thank you so much, Ryan, for taking the time today and I will talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. If you liked it, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe. It really is the best way to support the show. Also, if you want to see more of us, head over to our Instagram and follow us there at Bumo Parent. And to learn more about Bumo Brain Virtual School, follow us at Bumo Brain or head over to BumoBrain.com. Thank you guys so much for listening and I'll see you guys next week.